It's time, it's time. You hear that banging snare, the nasty guitar. Time to grab a glass, pop a cork, and we'll give you our bourbon thoughts. All right, everybody, welcome to the Bourbon Thoughts Podcast. My name is Dustin. I'm here with Jim and Ryan. Say hey, guys. Hey! hey. And this is the Bourbon Thoughts Podcast coming to you guys from the farm where we are going to be tasting some bourbons and talking oh, about... No. I spilled oh, some. My oh, my gosh, Jim. Lick it. You have to lick it off the glass. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. All right. There we go. That's corona-free. Lick it out of the rug. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, I was trying to make the... We uh, haven't even made it to our first episode I was yet. trying to make the ice tinkle, you know? It sounds... Oh, my gosh. It sounds nice. Well, with a glass that big, Very like, there was, no, <laughs> there was no room for the glass to tinkle. <laughs> Just clink your fingernails. I, like, I think my ice has melted too far anyways. Too. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, this week we want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Four Roses bourbon. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for this bottle, by the way. That's my favorite. No problem. All right. Um, and then I think we're going to talk a little bit about just the new year, um, what we got going on with the podcast, and go from there. All right, guys? So Sounds good. All right. So each week what we want to do is we want to try a new bourbon, uh, give it our individual totally subjective ratings and then the all-important bourbon thoughts rating and uh let you guys know what we think take it or leave it um we'll go from there all right sounds good all right so ryan tell us a little bit about what we got all right so we have the uh four roses small batch select uh from my recollection i believe it was a new bourbon in 2019 and made it to i believe most of the markets in 2020 uh the small batch select is 104 proof so it's it's not just an 80 proof it's got a it's stout it's got a little meat <laughs> got a little girth so um in it as i mentioned before currently as far as something that you can get off the shelf on just a random tuesday uh for under a significant amount of money it's probably one of my favorites probably a little too pricey to be considered a quote daily drinker not that people drink daily or that we do, but if you would, I think 60 bucks is a, is a bit stout for that. Um, but as far as having some buddies over to the farm and wanting to crack open a bottle, uh, it's, it's kind of been my go-to here this year. So Yeah, okay, great. So I, I'm going to pop this cork, pour myself a little glass, and then uh, we'll uh, get right into the rating and we'll talk about uh, what we think. You lost, you lost all your ice. Huh? You lost all your ice. Jim. So while, uh, while he's doing that, I, I do want to update you. I mean, we got kind of, uh, you know, just a, a generic bourbon tasting sheet that we're going off of. And if we were going to rate this, I think we're somewhere on the collar spectrum between uh, a light and medium amber. Um, you know, nothing nothing rich and dark, um, you know, in the way Four Roses does it anyway. I don't think we'd expect to see something super aged and super dark. So that's kind of where that's at. Um and if we're going to talk about appearance of the thing too, like True, let's yeah. let's admit the the bottle is actually really pretty. It's yeah, it's cool. Pretty. So it's going to look really good on your shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, so I, I that's one of the things I think about when I buy a bottle of a bourbon or a bottle of whiskey or something is this is probably going to be sitting here for a while so, because yeah, I don't you know drink every day. Um, so what's it going to look like just sitting there? You know, I don't want a big plastic you know jug with a handle. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I uh, I dig the. The rich mahogany uh, <laughs> on the top. You had to go there. You had to say that, right? Well, and it's, it's just some good attention to detail, right? Yeah. You know, and the, and the, the typical four roses, you've got like the, the glass embossed roses. So, no, yeah. it's a good yes. looking bottle. Yeah, yeah it, has, uh, it has a, uh, I wouldn't say very unique shape to it, but it has something that would distinguish itself. Yeah, it's just not your standard. It's that row of square, bottles yeah. that you have up there on yeah. the wall. Yeah, so, so if you're going to take anything from this conversation, People will find you to be a more interesting person if you have this bottle on your shelf. <laughs> and, yeah, that should tell you the extent of uh, how refined we are. Right? <laughs> there you go. All right, so let's get into it. We're going to do nose, palate, finish, availability, and value to get our total average. Uh, so obviously, first things first, we'll get into the nose. Yeah. One thing I, I guess I notice oh, is excuse me, <laughs> choked. Is that uh, stop <laughs> filling your glass so tall, Jim? I mean, I guess some of it got in your bloodstream, man. But jeez, um, the uh, for me, it's it's pretty mild. Um, it's not. You can take a, a pretty deep breath, and uh, it, it doesn't hit you in the back of the throat. There's just not a lot to it. No, uh, so it's, yeah. 
one of the uh, it's it's the mild model glue scent I believe, and we were discussing. I believe it is the red tube, not the blue tube. The blue tube was the citrus, which Jim informed us because it didn't work. That correct. Would be why. Very correct. Um, but yeah, nose is it's In pleasant. Both ways. You know, I mean, it's plastics very... models fell apart with that stuff. Mm. Very pleasant, and you could not use it for other purposes. I just stuck with Legos, man. Yeah. Are you talk, are you, <laughs> are you speaking in code about Huffy model glue? <laughs> Just double check. Absolutely not. All right, man. Moving forward to the palette. So this is something, when it comes to to bourbon, that I'm I'm not a huge fan of is when it's super hot right up front. Normally, I want to I want to taste the drink and then have it burn going down. Which, I mean, this is my personal preference. Just a subjective rating. You're you're a rye guy too. Yeah, definitely comes out. Um, And for me, and that's probably why the palette and the finish for me is probably what makes this. One of my favorites is it is up front, so if you kind of swish it around, you get the tingle. Uh, you know, you kind of get the back of the the lips um, and and the tip of the tongue. I feel like I'm doing the uh, the teeth, the tip, the tongue, that whole <laughs> exercise. Uh, so, yeah, for me, I like that. I uh, because it, it goes with the finish that I like. So I like having it up front. I don't feel that it it dulls your your profile or your taste buds too much i mean but it is hot i mean it's 104 proof so it's i mean it, it's going to be a little bit hot um yeah. i mean i think the difference to me so it's like uh like i enjoy like cigars too sure so like having a cigar you know you, you taste the tobacco you taste you just you taste the cigar but then you know it can kind of burn sometimes really not a lot but whereas if you were smoking like like a clove cigar or something like that it just you just burns your mouth um yeah. you know you get that numb feeling so that's kind of more what i'm I'm thinking when it, you know, when I compare this to maybe a cigar, is like it's more like a clove cigar than an actual just tobacco cigar. Fun fact: I had a friend, uh, a mutual friend of ours, try to get me on a, a little like cigarello that was clove, mm-hmm. and he had never had that particular brand, and yeah. he literally just made me smoke a cigarette because that's all it was. I was like, this is awful. <laughs> this is a cigarette. I don't. I won't call him out by name, but he yeah, knows who he is. He knows who he is, and he thought the same thing. So I text him the next day. So remember that time. That you made me actually smoke a cigarette, right? and you <laughs> pretended it was a clove cigarello. Uh, it was awful. Anyway, moving uh, to me, I mean the finish, and I think Dustin, I think our palettes are different, mm-hmm. so we'll we'll definitely differ here. That's what I like about this is that uh, it, I'm I'm old and fat, and so I have a tendency to get heartburn when things are going down really hot, uh, especially drinking neat. Um, and hey, so, amen. yeah, and so uh, this is what I like about the finish. It's uh, and I hate smooth is so overused in the bourbon industry, smooth, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but to me, this is literally, if I was going to say, if you told me 104 proof bourbon could be this smooth, I wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, this is every it's bit not of quite it. velvety, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what what I got to keep in mind when I taste this, is it is 104 proof. I mean, it's, it's not your typical like 80 proof whiskey. Yeah. Um, you know, so for me. Being from Appalachia, you know, growing up like right at that edge of Appalachia Preserve, you know, it's there's some different some different bourbons, some different stuff, and I'm used to something that like, um, it takes some courage to swallow. (laughs) 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 You know, (laughs) you know, it's. I feel like that's a shirt that's, we can that's, something, that's something you can do in that, your 20s. That could okay? be our first t-shirt. You gotta, you gotta brace yourself for it. It takes courage as well. I'm, I'm very happy with a smooth start to a smooth finish. Yeah. No, I think that's all I need. Now for me, like I, it's you know, I like that burn going down. That's just what I enjoy. Yeah. yeah. And I, I I don't mind some burn. I just don't want it to be when I'm done with the drink, it's not done with me. That's the part that I don't like. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, next availability, uh, we rate this basically, as Dustin alluded to, we are uh, in the foothills of Appalachia. Yeah. So yeah. getting, even though we are like two hours, two and a half tops from all the major distilleries, mm-hmm. getting uh, getting decent bourbon here in this part is uh, is difficult. So the fact that I, from what I understand, if pretty much if they carry four roses of any variety, they can get the small batch select, which is they're kind of the, the premium bourbon for them. Um, it, it's readily available. It's not an allocation. They're not pulling the Buffalo Trace crap where every year one other just regular $22 bourbon becomes a $60 antique collection. 
Uh, yeah, Jefferson. Listen to that. <laughs> so this, you know, for me, I, I, we rated it. We all agreed we rated it a four mm-hmm. just because I think about, like I said, any given Tuesday, you can roll into our local grocery store, liquor store, gas station. I don't think they do tires yet. Uh, but that place that we go to uh, and pick it up. And it's usually there. So um, someone at the tire place may have some of this. That's on true. Them. Well, that he may have something in the trunk. It may or may not have a label or a brand name. But um, so you know it's authentic. It's all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you you open up and your hair just starts curling and your eyebrows. Let's be honest. Though, it was probably apple pie that you just mix. Yeah, you know, it's, it's spices ever- with some Everclear. Exactly. My goodness, I have not had some very good apple pie in a long time. And then we'll talk about value. This is something we can we can put up on. Uh, but we have a little scale. So basically in our minds, uh, like $30 is kind of like the very low end of what a reasonable bourbon is. Um, and so we have a scale and then basically over a hundred bucks, um, as far as value for a fifth of liquid, uh, over a hundred bucks, you're, it's not much yeah. value there. So yeah, we want something to kind of balance out our rating system, you know? So if something's going to be super expensive, uh, it better be good. It better be super good. Yeah. So, so we're thinking, um, you know, from from anywhere from a dollar to thirty nine bucks is going to be a five. Uh, from that to to fifty nine is a four. Sixty to seventy nine is a three, uh, and then eighty to ninety nine is a two. Hundred bucks plus. Yeah. Maybe when we get into some super expensive stuff, uh, we'll uh, we'll give it a negative rating. I don't know. Maybe not. I'm just not. When we're looking at the scale and averaging it all together, that's going to make a difference. The more donations we can get, guys, the better the bourbon we can test for you. There we go. Yeah, pay us to drink the (laughs) bourbon that you wish. We would never want you to have bad bourbon. Yeah, if you don't know whether or not you want to try an expensive bourbon, just send us the money for the bottle, and we'll try it so you don't have to. Yes, exactly. And then we'll tell you whether or not you should go out and then spend more money on another bottle. Exactly. And, and then as we get going, I think you guys will figure out whose taste you align with. We've already identified. I like uh, not so hot on the tail end. Dustin likes likes a spicy. Yeah. S- spicy on the, the back end. Dustin, so. he just wants it all the time. <laughs> What's wrong with you, Jim? <laughs> Half the glass is gone, I think. <laughs> he has spilled it down his Jim's throat. standing here with like like four fingers of expensive bourbon. Ryan, I promise you I will not be passed out on your driveway, Peter. <laughs> Uh, Maybe passed out in my car puking. <laughs> there has been one of those instances in the podcast. Oh my gosh. Uh, so if we look at the the total average right now, or the barrels as Jim likes to call them, um, Jim came in with a 3.8 barrel out of 5. Dustin, 3.6 out of 5. Uh, and I came in with a 4 out of 5 barrel. So um, I think a fairly healthy rating. Uh, we'll see yeah, as we keep going uh, where those... Where those end up, um, but you know, like I guess we're all kind of in, the, in that same ballpark around the the three eight range to where we did. Yeah, that so, band, so so I think overall for the podcast, this we're talking about is three point eight. Yep, yep. three point eight out of five. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. All right, guys. So um, moving right ne- into our next uh, our next segment. So I was just kind of curious um, if you remember the first time you had bourbon. Ooh, that's a great question. I'll tell you this. I do. I remember. Well, th- okay, can yeah. we do? Can we separate this? Sure. So the first time you had bourbon, like in your mouth, as in like bourbon and Coke, or well no, liquor, I, Coke, I, I or agree. like the first time you sat down and someone's like, "Here, son, let me show you how to do this." Exactly. Drank okay. first time you drank bourbon as an adult. Ooh. Um, so Legal. no, no, no. <laughs> so like I, an adult. How's like that? an adult. So like I grew adult. up in a a small uh, farm town. Where to this day it is illegal to sell alcohol of any sort in the city limits. So I didn't actually have my first. Uh, I think the first thing I drank was like a Mike's Hard Lemonade, and I was 22 years old. So I think may, I was probably. I think I was out of college. I don't think there's any bourbon in that? I'm not sure. No, not no, at all. Okay. So I think I was like in. I was out of college the first time I actually had any sort of of, of harder liquor. Um, and you know I I drank you know Jameson for a while. Um. But I think the first time I thought, like, man, like, I'm going to try bourbon was actually Jefferson, uh, Jefferson Bourbon. When it, they first they first dropped it, it was like $24 a bottle, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought, I thought it was good. Um, but now I can't relive that experience because it's like 50 bucks a bottle. So, 
Old times have changed. Um, for me, yeah, I, I wasn't, um, I guess wasn't much until departed into that scene, like through high school and then um, in college a little bit. Uh, I remember, uh, it's, unfortunately, it's worse than yours. My f- first alcoholic drink uh, was a Zima. Mm. Yes. Oh, Not yeah. much better. No, oh, no, it was, that's bad. Yeah. I mean, that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's be honest. Like, if you were mowing grass, like, sometimes a Mike's Hard Lemonade can hit the spot, like, when you're just hot and thirsty. Like, okay, whatever. I wasn't going to judge you for that. You're not going to, like, crack open a, we don't even make Zima anymore. But yeah, they do. Do they really? Yes. Oh, it's yeah. Back? Yeah, yes. uh, the carry out in Lucasville. Yes. No way. Yes. Yep. Oh, I could relive an experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could, um, I could say the same thing about a screwdriver, Ryan, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> so as far as actually, it was much later than that. Uh, after college, for sure, before I, I guess, learned to understand bourbon as a gentleman's drink uh, that you'd set down. Um, and Maker's Mark was the was the first bourbon uh, that I had that I'd sit down and was like, hey, you know, why don't you just put you a couple cubes of ice Slow down there. Just let that sit for a minute. Let it do its thing, and then you take a sip. Um, and yeah, and I was, man, I was definitely early twenties before I understood. I mean, before it was just like, here's the two dollar well drinks at Blondie's. Go get a Jack and Coke or what? Any Jack? It's probably Canadian Mist. If we're, I mean, who knows? Uh, but that's so. It, it was. <laughs> I think maybe it comes with maturity. If you're maybe like now in Kentucky, these people might be bred this way. I don't know. I mean, it might be like you know. Straight, straight from the boob onto like straight bourbon. I have no idea. But for for us, for well, me, there's a moment, there's a period of time there between where it's Mountain Dew. Oh, even in Kentucky, huh? Yes. Oh, especially. Oh, wow. uh, my sister was um, the Head Start coordinator for a certain county, famous for a certain TV show. If you remember the General Lee. Oh, okay. Yes, and that county had the highest rate of infant tooth rot in the nation. Because they put Mountain Dew in the baby box. It's actually called Mountain Dew Mouth. If you get online yes. and search Mountain Dew Mouth, is it, it, is, a, it like, is a pathology that dentists like will diagnose. Like, yeah, similar to meth mouth. Yeah, so so it's the front four teeth. The front four teeth are, are oh, like wow. really decayed or they're gone. Really? And, wow, yeah. interesting. Yep. yep. Be, well, and I went to a dentist one time. Because, I mean, like I was a fat kid in high school, um, and I just would like just slam Mountain Dew all day long. And I went, and the doc, or the dentist told me, he's like, listen, like, if you're going to drink it, just drink it all at once. Like, don't sip it throughout the day. because." Right. And then he just showed me, he's like, this is what it causes. Huh. Um, because that constant, like, uh, citric acid mixed with the sugar is, like, the perfect combo for tooth rot. Yes. All right, Jim. All right, tell, well, us, I, tell us your <laughs> experience. I, shoot. The first drink, I couldn't tell you. It's been way too long. I will tell you this. Um. I have never enjoyed beer. Never. It's never been a drink that um, I enjoyed. I've had plenty of it. I uh, wish I hadn't, to tell you the truth. But um, our pastor friend was the one who introduced me to bourbon. We used to gather in his office and watch Game of Thrones with the projector and the video screen. And People will be lining up to go to this church. Like, <laughs> so bourbon and Game of Thrones. What kind of church is this? We're not that kind of church. We'll go to that story someday. Because I don't think you weren't there. You weren't. <laughs> yeah. But, but wait, wait. I'm not finished. He introduced us to Rock Hill Farms. And that is my first bourbon. It is my first love. And you cannot find it with a flashlight and a search warrant now. There is one bottle that I know of. Oh, really? Who has that? You? Me, my liquor cabinet. I have nice. not opened it yet. Very so nice. I'm, I'm refusing to, because it is my... I, I don't blame you. has been my top... You cannot find well, you it. You used to be able to find it for 50 bucks. Before I know. Over, the, over Nashville. Yeah. And um, uh, actually, my good my good buddy bought me that. He found that in a bottle of like, a I think it was a one and a half of Eagle Rare. Um, and, which is also seems Defin- impossible Definitely one find. little touch on it. Uh, and so... Yeah, so it's kind of like, well, I like it. It's my favorite. I only open it on special occasions because I think it's getting a little harder to find. And now I'm like, it's made the move with me to the farm. So like unopened, yeah. still has the plastic around the cap. And it's like, I won't open it till I get another bottle. And then this bottle will be for special occasions and that bottle. But the last, I got like desperate. I was like, okay, can I just go like, um, I get 
air quotes, secondary market. Not that there is one, if the government's listening. But if there was one, I went to a place where you could find it. Uh, and it was like 160 170 bucks. Wow. And it's like, I mean, as a matter of principle, I can't. I think we balked at 70 I think once we saw some for 70 I was like, no, I, I can't pay I would, I would, I would shell out 70 bucks right now. Well, right now, I probably would. But well, just because then, I want to drink yeah, that other bottle. Exactly. So bad I've had it for so exactly. long. Exactly. Like, let's, let's get to it. But, so. uh, yes, Rock Hill Farms. It's my first love. Then we moved on to um, when we couldn't find that. Uh, what was next? Um, started dabbling in Maker's Mark Forty Six. Yeah, uh, mainly because of um, price and availability. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You can pick that up at Kroger. Elmer T. Lee was about the same time as Rock Hill Farms as well. I don't remember doing any Elmer. Yeah, Did I, we? yeah. Uh, I remember that was kind of at the same time, and it was. A lot of, uh, it was very similar to me, um, and kind of in that same, like, you could get it for a while, and a lot of times if you couldn't find Rock Hill, you found Elmer T. Lee, and it was great, and then um, and then it just kind of, I don't know, like everything from Buffalo Trace, it's just, it's just dried up into oblivion, and now you gotta do the lot, I mean, that's, not that I don't know if you want to take a certain direction, but that's a complete turnoff for me from the bourbon, and I get it, because it's it's age. I mean, it takes so long. You had to anticipate so long in the future what you were going to get. Uh, but it's so frustrating when you find that bourbon. And it's like, oh, this is my jam. Yeah. And then uh, and then all of a sudden, that's why. I'll be honest with you. Proof it's gone. Bring, bringing it back to the small batch select. That's why I'm so happy with it right now. Is because I've been able to get it. Um, and it's it's fifty six fifty nine bucks. Uh, totally happy with that. Um, and you know it's. I, I guess for me, it's knowing that it's going to be there, uh, and uh, and knowing how I guess the, you know the, the Four Roses way of not aging it for so long and mixing and blending, um, I think it's going to be around for a while to come, uh, and so that's got me a little bit excited as compared to where you may or may not find you know something else. So um, I don't know, and that would be interesting. Actually, be interesting to hear from the listeners on that as far as like is there. Some of the, you know, the allocation aspect is that a major turnoff for bourbon right now. I mean, I and I, um, and it's the capitalistic nature of having, you know, a commodity that's, you know, that that you definitely have more demand than supply. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Well, um, I think it, it comes back to to what you touched on before, Rick. You have to think in the future. Sure. You've got to think of the aging process, just the whole distilling yeah, process, like years, like eight, ten, twelve years in the future. So. Right. You know. Wow. So. You know, to compare it to you know something else, like so. There's this this guy I follow on social media, and he does like custom bookbinding, but he's the only one that does it in in his certain way. He won't hire people. He doesn't do anything. So if you find a book that's rebound by this guy, it's like six, seven, eight hundred bucks. What? Yeah, it's crazy. Really? Yeah, it's like awesome. and we're t- like literally so just like you, new covering. Yeah, oh, so man. like you would mail this guy like a Bible, and he would get online and he would just buy some some goat skin and he would stitch it and he would do it in his own certain way but he's created a brand he's created a style so you look at his stuff and you're like ah I know who did that and and they are pretty but because he only does so many yeah so it's, it's like the price is outrageous and and that's one thing that that kind of drives me nuts but it's it's so good for the people that can do it is when you create an image and create a brand and you you have people wanting your stuff they're always going to want it so you, you look back at Buffalo Trace, can't find it, but we're still here talking about it. Sure. How right. long has it been since we, since yeah. you, you've seen um, seen you know this stuff that you're looking for? You know, four. I think I bought that bottle four. I've had that bottle wrapped up in the original plastic for four years. Yeah. When was the last time you saw another bottle? I would say that's. I haven't seen it since four years. Yeah. yeah. So it's you're sad. still you're still thinking about it though. Yeah, every time I go to the liquor guy. <laughs> absolutely. I'm like absolutely. Well, right, every Let time me find I'm another in, I'm bottle. in Ashland, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing I don't like is the, I don't. This is supposed to be positive about bourbon. We're sorry, bourbon industry, but it's like I hate doing the like. You got to meet the guy in the back room and know the guy who knows the manager who knows the. Hey, I'm this hey, guy. Yeah, I bought yeah. all this stuff for me. You've given me this before, because I, you know, I think they have clientele and they got regulars and they want to make sure they take care of some people. And then some places are not that way. They're just like first come first serve, like. Yeah. I don't know if this means I have a problem, but I literally know at the place where I bought this bourbon that they get their deliveries Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. So mm-hmm. if you want something special, you have to be there Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock. But you got to think, too, though. And that's there's, there's a whole subculture for bourbon. Sure. 
people aren't this way with Jameson. People don't. But you can buy it. I mean, but, but, but see that that's the that's the difference. Is is bourbon is more of an art form than it ever is a just an industry. Okay, let me. Well, we have a sheet in front of us to compare the artistic <laughs> right, aspects. But they do that for well, they do that for Scotch <laughs> and Irish whiskey. But yeah, I don't but, know that it's much. I guess I would push back to say that it is an art in the sense of there's there is science for mm-hmm, sure. sure. Not, uh, but there is an art to making a craft beverage. Period. I mm-hmm. totally agree. Um, you know, the hard part is, is that, and I guess that's, man, I'm going to contradict myself. I guess I'm going to agree with you in the sense that like you can mass produce something that maybe is 80% of mm-hmm. that. So maybe the makers 46 is of the world or some of these things that are, uh, maybe a, a higher quote class of bourbon. Um, but then if you want that extra, it's like everything else. It's like all the guitars you see around you, that extra 15, 20, 10%. It's the difference. And, and and it is disproportional to the mm-hmm. cost, always, for almost any item. So, like, you can always get 80% of whatever this item is at, at a value. But if you want the 100%, you want that extra 20%, it can be multiple, sometimes exponentially, more the cost. So let's go back to a, to a conversation you and I had before we started the podcast, right? So let's look at the Scotch world. Johnny Walker Blue Label. Sure. Right? What, two twenty five, two fifty a bottle? Is yeah. it really? It's great. So yeah, wow. so so I was out to dinner with my wife, and it was a special occasion, and they had in the showcase. So this is really squeaky, folks. <laughs> Sorry about that. So they had in the showcase a bottle of Blue Label, and I just looked at her. I'm like, listen, I've never had it, and I love Scotch. And my wife, being just the wonderful person she is, God bless, um, said, just get order yourself. You know, order yourself a shot of it. So it was forty dollars for forty dollars for a double shot. Really? Yeah. Two, well, for, two a, for a double. Yeah, for, oh, wow. for a double. Right. And it, it was funny because the waitress was like, oh my gosh, I've been trying to sell that for like two weeks now. Like, that should have been on sale then. She comes back and she's like, will you, will you, will you tell me what it's like? Um, so, you know, I, I tried it and um, it was good. But I thought to myself, like, you know, I would never buy a whole bottle of this. Because I can get the double black or the black label, which is like 85% is good for 40 bucks. See, I was totally ruined on scotch because the first scotch I ever had was Blue Label. Yeah. Uh, and then I've tried several, several scotches after that. And some have been really good. Some have been smoky, whatever. Um, but I think that's a weird way to go about I mean, and there's part of me, I guess, I like that. Okay. And it's, don't hate us. We're not, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's the best, but it's regarded as a very quality scotch. Sure. Um, and, and so then there's that aspect of, if that's the only thing you've known of Scotch, and mm-hmm. then you, uh, and then you try something black label, red green, whatever, however, however far you want to dip, mm-hmm. um, that's all like that fifteen percent. It's all the difference. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, but there's I think there's a difference from your entry point into something. So or same as Jim. So if you're starting out with what I would regard to as my favorite bourbon, obviously since I've held onto a bottle for four years. Um, Everything else, that's kind of like the measuring stick of that, and so like yeah. so, then you're like, okay, well. So where where is it on the level or on the scale of the bourbons that we're talking about, uh, Rock Hill Farms? Would that be, you know, I mean, considered a cheaper bourbon for those people who are? I don't. I mean, into the, bourbon, it's hard to tell because at one time you could buy it for fifty bucks, which yeah. is like, I, again, I'm not saying it's a daily drinker, but like it's not something that. Like, if your buddies come over, you're not going to be like, oh, don't ask for that, please. Don't ask for that. I mean, you'll be like, oh, I'll go get some more. It's 50 bucks. Cool. Let's just have a cool time. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, I mean, just I guess for me personally, like, I would never be put out by a friend wanting to drink that for sure. Uh, you know, in the same league of if you have Blue Label, not so much. It's readily available. It's just the cost. It's like, can we, like, can it be kind of special that we're cracking this open and draining the bottle? I mean, you know, we don't... Yeah, I, I do. Okay, I, I have some expensive um, bourbons, and then I have some Maker Marks. Yeah. And uh, Dustin and I have a mutual friend who will fill his glass, and then he'll just leave it laying there all night long. And you're just sitting there the whole night going, you better drink that. You better drink that. You have never you, said that about me, Jim. <laughs> no, I've never had to say that. But eventually, the guy drinks it. Okay, yeah. I'm not saying he wasted it, but he drives me insane doing that because I'm just afraid that he's going to take my blade and bow or whatever yeah. I have and leave it there. But no, so the difference the difference with that is when when that happens, Jim, we're playing poker for money. 
and he's the only one throughout the night who has not been sipping on bourbon, which is I why said. he. <laughs> so which is why, why like, doesn't he win? <laughs> let's recap, man. So right now we're sitting here at what January second. Um. So we are on the tail end. Uh. Well, we're we're, we're past. Uh. What a lot of people would call horrible year. Um. Well, so, you, I mean, everybody says, "Oh, it can't get worse." Oh, yes, it can. Oh, oh, yes, it can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, so... so That's my, all perspective, but keep going. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, my thought on that, um, the calendar is, like, just a made-up thing. So, it's just, like, time is just this construct of the human imagination. We to can't... Like, listen. To we're just... Quanti- time is No, no, just listen. Just listen. Just listen. two drinks but, in. But listen. Time, time, time. time. <laughs> no, but here, here's what I want to say, and this is... I think this is going to be encouraging, is... is our lives are not subject to, you know, what month it is, what year it is, whatever. Like, we are not just some passive recipient of whatever 2020 wanted to throw at us. Um, and in the same way, moving forward to 2021, because I don't think a lot of things are going to change immediately. No, um, agree. You know, life is kind of what you do with it, right? Sure. Um, so with that being said, you know, we talked about, we're going to talk a little bit about New Year's resolutions um, and what changes we want to see for ourselves, what changes we'd like to see in the future. Um, so, like, what do you guys think? Like, for, I didn't make a New Year's resolution. I would say right out the gate, I'm not a resolution guy. I'm Never not either, yeah. I, I, for me, I guess, um, I'm, I, well, I would say that I probably have, like, large blind spots about things, but overall, I'm, I'm pretty critical of myself so mm-hmm. um and th- in the sense that there's things i care about there's things i don't care about um i could take for sure 2020 was a weird year there were some things that were definitely not good um but there's things that are you know where we're at where i don't say insulated because covid is certainly here um you know there's been people i know um family members that have had it people that mm-hmm. i know who have passed away from it it's been terrible um, but then there's other aspects that make you do things. So it's completely disrupted my work life, mm-hmm. uh, which has given me so much more time to be at home with family. So while work has been odd and strange and very difficult, I mean, you know, in the line of work I do, all of a sudden now you are half the time a, a health professional or an HR. Pro- I mean, trying to deal sure. with what happens when someone has... COVID in your workplace and all these other workplaces and dealing with that whole aspect of it, it it's, um, you know, I've read way more about, you know, vaccines, mRNA, all these type of things that I had zero interest in mm-hmm. before. Um, but but from a, a family perspective, um, you know, I'm, I'm a husband and a father. I have two girls uh, and, and a wife. And so it's that part has been really good for me because I've been home. I mean, I travel I travel a lot for work, two to three weeks a month, typically. So, mm-hmm. um, so that part has been really good, um, and and m- makes you evaluate. Okay, well, is you know, earning a living's great. It's awesome, um, you know. But is it worth being gone all the time? Is I mean, so, and those are the things I think I'm dealing with in in 2021. Kind of, I guess, more to 30 or 50 thousand foot view. But is it okay? Professional life can be great, can be fulfilling. Um, I would be lying if I said, you know, oh, it's the only way to make, you know, decent money around here and we do this. I mean, there's part of it that it's nice being successful at a job. It's mm-hmm. nice, you know. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and the title stuff don't matter to me so much, but having people respect you, having people care about what you do, um, that part's nice for sure. Uh, is it worth giving all this time up with your family? I mean, I don't know. That's something that, that, I haven't came to a conclusion yet, but that's kind of the main thing I, I'm looking at going forward for 2021 is, is there a better balance to be had for me? And if not, is there a change that needs to happen? Yeah. Well, and, and the beautiful part about that, and, and I've, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, on the same lines, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a really introspective person. I am very self-critical. I, I think a lot about like things about me that I need to change about, uh, about who I am and just about my personality and, and whatever. Um, but you don't have to wait until for like Monday to make changes, Sure, you know? Um, and you know, so like this past year for myself, uh, you know, we were, we were on lockdown for a couple of months and, um, there's really not a whole lot of stuff going on. And kind of before all this stuff happened, 
Uh, I bought a bunch of like home gym equipment because I, you know, like always been a bigger guy. So I'm like, all right, like, um, this is what we're going to do. And it just sat in my basement for six months. Um, but you know, just what, you know, I got up one day and it's like, all right, I'm going to make a change. I think it was like a Wednesday, you know, but so many people see these changes that we want to make. And we think like, I got to wait till January 1st. I got to wait till Monday. But the reality is you don't have to, Sure. you know, you can, you can change these things that you want to change now. Um, and, and, and that's just such a liberating feeling to know, you know, I'm not, you know, held slave to some calendar. I'm not held slave to some clock. Um, I think the calendar, not that I want to get into this because this is weird, but it, <laughs> in a way it's not. I mean, so if you take this year, I mean, there's parts of it that have moved so slow. Yeah. And there's, but then at the same time, if you turn around and think like, all right, well, we're almost a year. I mean, like, you know, I was traveling pretty hard, uh, you know, January and February and just the first week of March last year. And it's like, Literally, like I, I sent a text uh, to to my boss and my friend um, that we were in Vegas for a show, like in January. It's like, or February. I'm sorry. And I was like, can you believe we were in Vegas a year ago? Like that seems like an eternity. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the, there's that part where it's it it does good, I think, especially for people um, who are kind of looking ahead. Um, and, and kind of the older I get, I guess, that it, it helps me to stop and it makes me reflect. Like, it makes yeah. me say, all right, quit looking ahead for a second. Look at where you've been. Look at where things are going. Is things heading in the right direction? Is it better? Did you accomplish what you... So that part I like as, like, an indicator to say stop and look. Um, you know, reflect. I think those are very healthy things. And, and some people that um, are probably goal-driven are good at looking at, Okay, I accomplished this goal. Great. What's next? Um, and sometimes it's good to say, okay, you accomplished the goal, but on a ran- Wednesdays are a theme here. On a yeah. random Wednesday, something whatever, you look at a calendar or blah blah blah. You remember, oh well, last year on, you know, February the fourteenth, I was in Vegas. You mm-hmm. know, going to this show. Now you know everything's closed down. I wonder what the world's like because it's been a year at this point that things have closed down. So, and um, you're still going traveling. I'm not. I'm not, not traveling. Much. No, not, not at all. Not I've all. traveled like three times since okay. since March. So, um, not yeah, not that's near. Be that's a change. <laughs> not yeah. It's been a. Uh, it's been a huge change. I mean, I, it's actually went really well, really smooth. But I mean, it's uh, you don't realize. I mean, especially with your your family, like you know, if you're gone two or three weeks out of a month, I mean, when you're home for a while now, it's just like. It, it's the first bit was quite honestly a bit weird. I mean, it's just like, like what, what like what am I doing? So well, we, and, and you know, for myself, so in what I do, uh, there are a lot of people that rely on me to be available mm-hmm. to, for me to be at work, ready to go. Phone rings, I go out, and um, you know, so this year when it was just like, hey, that going out part, that's just not an option anymore. Sure, yeah. Um, it was weird, man. So where are you going? What do you mean going to clients? Or? Yeah, so I'm just seeing okay. you know a lot of face to face clients and just doing mm-hmm. just doing stuff like that. And you know, so this year like that was really not an option. It was a lot more Zoom stuff, a lot more telehealth stuff, a lot more you know sending emails back and forth. And you know, one thing I loved about actually being out, you know, doing my thing like in the community and seeing people face to face is it's it's fast paced. It's constant. I'm constantly moving. And as someone who, like, I, I kind of deal with a little bit of that, like, you know, ADHD brain. And it's like, I need to be going. Uh, when it's just not an option anymore, I have to, I have a lot of time where I have to sit and, and reflect and sit and think. And um, at first I hated it. Um, Same. But, you know, I think in just this past, you know, nine months since since our first lockdown, it's allowed me to have time to stop and think like, man, am I like the man I want to be? Am I the, do I like who I'm becoming? You know, do I like the things that I'm investing my time in? And and really that's just, this year I think has been a, just a beautiful blessing in a really ugly disguise um, because it's brought about a lot of just changes in the way I view the world, a lot of changes in the way I, I just really respond to people and, and live my life. And, you know resolutions for you jim 
Uh, no, I don't use them. Uh, I feel I'm perfect the way I am. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Cheers to that. <laughs> no, um, actually, I can drink to that. <laughs> that you year, drink four roses to that. Mm. I had a, a nephew. I have a nephew. Um, he was overweight. He was pudgy. And you don't have to six, look at me when you say yeah, that. Just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> huh, I think I've got to look at you. No one him. can see me. But, but now we know, Joe. <laughs> but um, uh, I hadn't seen him in six months because of COVID. He came to the house for Christmas, and he's lost 30 pounds. In fact, he, I'm, I'm a little worried. He almost seems anorexic wow. to me. But anyways, he said one of the big things that he cut out was carbs. Mm-hmm. And I looked at myself. The first thing, well, from we shut down um, the building on March 14th, and I checked myself on a scale in July, and I was 20 plus pounds. Really? Yes. And I was like, okay, this has got to stop. And, but so I doubled up. Um, I've got a run workout routine, kind of, you know, nothing super intense or anything like that. I doubled it. And I'm not losing. Are you still walking a lot when doing what you were doing at work or not? Well, well I mean, when, before, compared to. Yeah. Oh, not, not what it, to compare. Pre COVID, so, I guess. Yes, pre COVID. No, nothing compared. During the lockdown. Uh, right, but I mean, I but on. your typical job, you were on your feet quite a bit, right? It wasn't the job that was on the feet. It was getting there and getting, getting, getting home. Back. That's right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so um, I decided after that, uh, I took a look at my diet, and I said, well, you know, there are too many carbs. Um, Haagen-Dazs makes a Irish cream brownie ice cream. I was doing three or four pints of that a week. Oh, wow. Uh, would you like to guess how many calories was in that pint? I bet you could have drink a lot more bourbon for those calories. A thousand. Holy moly! <laughs> so that's where the twenty pounds came in. So I said, "Yeah, we got to get rid of that too. That's got to go." So uh, I've lost five pounds in the last couple of weeks, and if I can keep that going, then you know I'll be happy. I can yeah. tell you that tearing your Achilles is not a recipe for losing weight. That is. That How'd is, you do that? That's oh gosh. <laughs> playing fat man tennis pickleball oh, so when oh. you're too overweight to play regular tennis play, you, you play well, if you you're play too, fat if you're too, man's tennis if you're too blind to play regular tennis and also. then uh and then if you don't stretch and do all these type of things uh, and you're just old and out of shape and yes. you were like man maybe i should start doing something at lunchtime to get more active you know start the ball rolling and so you go play fat man's tennis and then you tear your achilles on the very first day Woo! Uh, yeah, so it's it's a well, lot of fun. I, See, that's why I like I lifting free weights. There's yeah. there's no stretching beforehand. Like I do it at home. Like if I screw it up, no one's there to watch. Well, I got to the point where I had cankles. I, I could not see my ankles. So um, I. I we do. We really don't want a list of things that we, <laughs> that we can't see going around the hey, podcast. I got them now. You want to see them? <laughs> but anyways. Um, so I cut that out, but one of the things that was happening, and this is old age, I understand that, a lot of basketball, but I would be walking and all of a sudden my ankle would just give out. I mean, it was just like, boom, you know, not really any pain beforehand or anything like that, just instant. And um, I was listening to the radio one day and there was some show on, don't know what it was, they were talking about the same thing, and the guy said, in the mornings, before you get out of bed, take your big toe on each foot and draw the alphabet. I, told, been, I have to do that with my. Do you? Yeah. Does it help? It has cured me. Uh, I'm not. I mean, no, not. Po- I mean, it. Okay. My ankle still hurts, bad. But I mean, right. that's one. Of, I was. Well, I didn't. Care, I didn't tear an Achilles. I, yeah, I didn't sure. Do that. And then I started doing it backwards, the alphabet. Oh, really? Just in case I ever got pulled over. No, <laughs> just kidding. That was a, that was a terrible joke. That was a terrible joke. That was bad. That was, that was bad. Really bad. No way do we endorse this. No, no, no. I mean, learning the alphabet yeah. backwards could be useful to you, but not for the reasons I proposed. Yeah. Yes. All right, gentlemen. So, uh, entertainment, Jim. What do you got for us? Well, I noticed that you were looking for something to read, some fiction. Uh, yeah. So you know what? This has been a huge struggle for me. Is I spend so much time reading like nonfiction stuff. Um, I like can't focus anymore. So like, I just want to read some just mindless, entertaining fiction that's not super campy, not super cheesy. Okay. Um. Well. I would go with, uh, you're a sci-fi fan, as myself, I believe. Okay, yeah. Have you ever heard of the series 1612 by Eric Flint? Uh, no. Basically, a, I would say, deity level, we'll go with Q from Star Trek, if you know who that is. Okay. Um, Not to be confused with... Right. Uh, 
other so, Q. Yes, yes. In which, which... <laughs> sorry, what, what, which what? Which Q? Like Q from the old one? Well, I guess they're all the same, right? Yeah. So there was one on, like, the generation. next generation that was... There was yeah. only one Q, the well, original. Well, who was... Oh, uh, crap. John... Um, no, who was Benedict... His name's John. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. And what was he? Oh, he was um, Khan. Khan. Yes. Ah, my yes. bad. See, sorry. Khan. That's all right. I actually watched sci-fi, but I'm losing my sci-fi uh, right now. Anyways, it, I can't do... Star, I, I don't do Star Trek. Khan Q. This, close enough. The 1612, it's basically this superior deity-level extraterrestrial intelligence is doing an art project. And what happens is... <laughs> A town in West Virginia is scooped out like a spear, transported back to 1612 Bavaria. Germany? Yes. The motherland. Yes. And at that time, um, there's the whole, I think, the Norwegian war with Germany and Mm -hmm. all that going on. So basically, you have this 1980s town being transported back. But it's 1980s West Virginia, so isn't that really about 1950s? Whoa, wait, wait, wait. So, so, so you're well, telling you're telling me right, so that like you've got like my us, you know, you've got my aunt with her Garfield clear like drink glasses and her leather soft cigarette pouch going to like 1600s <laughs> Bavaria, fringed, fringed cigarette pouch <laughs> with with their. She tucks down into her bra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with well, all Chris, their Chris with all their ATVs. And you know they've got electricity and generators because it was the it wasn't just you know so the, the whole people, land and everything the land and everything except no electricity you, unless you had a, a generator they had generators right I mean the whole the electrical plant was transported oh everything. really yeah like like a oh, mile so then they rule the world more than a mile so everyone had a twang after that more or less yes yes. Yeah. So could you imagine? Could you imagine good. how that would change geopolitical events? Like it for does. the next. Oh it my god! What's that, Jack White? What's that? It's uh, what's his name? The Wild Whites of West Virginia. Uh, oh, I can't remember. I know Jesco. Jesco? Is that Jesco? Jesco. So I had a Jack, I had a college musician. class. I, totally know that. I had a college class on that. On the Wild Whites of West Virginia. So yeah, so it was Appalachian sociology. And. Really, for a lot of it, we talked about the wild and wonderful I whites I of West Virginia. Ice by itself, no? <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair. You don't want no stragglers. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I would tell you, and I'm prepared to be judged, but before my nonfiction, uh, or I'm sorry, go to fiction, go to is um, I like the Jack Reacher books. Okay, but they were absolutely. And thoroughly ruined by Tom Cruise. Because mm-hmm. in the books, Jack Reacher's like 6'6", 250. Um, I'm not 6'6", and I'm probably way more than 250. But in my mind, I thought I would be like Jack Reacher. With the, you know, you know. It's, it's all the theory. If, was, if you had a brother... That had, you're reading fiction? There's right. no wrong answer. Absolutely has no training in any martial arts or army. But whatever. I just read myself into the story. But <laughs> I, I, I almost believe, actually, like I'm probably... I think I'm up to date with about everything he's had. Okay. Um, but it is completely mindless, and if you want a hero that wins every time, and it's, I don't know, it's 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 mind numbing. And I was so excited when I heard there was gonna be a movie. Like, great. Mm-hmm. And then it was like Tom Cruise. He's a, a foot short of the character. <laughs> like I mean, so it was just like I mean I like the movies they're okay, but it's like that should have been, like, like. The Rock, or uh, like Dave Bautista, or somebody you know, like that. The Rock so, is an amazing actor. He's not bad. As long as he's not doing an emotional scene that's well, sad or anything like okay, that. Can we, do, so, you, do you watch Ballers on HBO? Yes, I have watched Ballers. I love Ballers. Yes. Great the, show. The, the Rock is great in, like, there's a subset of, of characters that he can play. Yes, yes. So I wouldn't say... I'd the say Tooth a, Fairy is not one of them. <laughs> Fair. Uh, is, or what's well, the I one say, he's a quarterback? I don't do his comedies. What's that other one? The the one he's like got a, a daughter and he's a quarterback. I don't remember the name. I don't. I've anyway, um, and he like law. He got real skinny for it, and it was very strange. Um, <laughs> the I would say I wouldn't say that would make him an amazing actor. I think he's, a, but I think he's. I watched all of his movies. I dig him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't, he, I don't know that he can run the. You know, I don't think he's ever going to want an Oscar. Well, he's not, he's not so. Tommy Lee Jones or Robert Duvall. I understand, but uh, yeah, does I, anybody I, know who those guys are anymore? I mean, yeah, I do who, because who I, are the serious young just actors of today? Literally just who watched Godfather one, two, and three. Nice. Weekend. Now, is that's the, twelve hours of your life. Is you that the new part three? Yeah, and it's not. I mean, the new with the the edited uh-huh. ending. Yeah, yes. but I mean, I, that's pretty well known. The, the Godfather three is terrible. I. 
it's certainly not the first two. It's I, terrible. I wasn't, I wasn't all that. The it, plot was okay. made no sense at the end. They're yeah. just shooting everybody, and the Vatican's involved, and I don't know what's going. On. Like I was like, the I don't corruption know runs going. deep, right? Well, I know, but it was it was uh, one and two amazing. You get the th- and the best part about three though is you get the the screaming Al Pacino. Like right. the first two, you had like yeah. actors Al Pacino, and then like when you get to Godfather three. 1990, so I think what 72, 74, so whatever six or uh, that 16 years away, you get he's he's went full into the like I'm gonna scream everything. So that part was entertaining from like a comedic value, uh, but it's awful. So you want to tell you want some fun facts about the Godfather? Yes, please. So do you know uh, the scene? He's the the, the guy sitting at his desk. And he's petting a cat. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. I not. Which. One or two. I, uh, so I think it's, is it the scene where he's like, it's like it's like a really iconic scene from The Godfather. Like, I've not seen it in years. I do not remember. But like, he leans back in his chair and he's cat. petting a cat. I don't remember. You're uh, not thinking of like Austin Powers, are you? God, no. <laughs> is it a skinless cat? Yeah. Mr. Bigglesworth? That's <laughs> all uh, cats should be. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jim, Jim, why do you Just, hate cats? I, do you want the story? Because you had 20 of them live behind his house. Still do. Well, I thought they were gone. Nope, they're still around. Jim, there's some country folks that can take care of that problem for you. I know. Some know. some oh, fine yeah. bourbon drinking drink. <laughs> that would help. So, uh, yeah, so there is a there's a cat in The Godfather. He, he leans back at his desk and he's petting his cat. And so yeah. the, the fun thing about the cat... That's got to be one. Huh? Yeah, I yeah. So one. so, so uh, the first Godfather film, leans back, he's, he's petting his cat. I remember that. So this cat is just this stray cat that the actor found on the set. And just brought it. it. wasn't even in the script? It wasn't in the script. He just sees this cat yeah. and he's like... Marlon Brando found. Yeah, he's like, I got it. He's like, I'm going to pet this cat. <laughs> so that's, he leaves... Awesome. He's petting that's this cat bizarre. this whole scene. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Was not scripted. Just found a cat. You guys, Have you guys seen Captain Phillips? The Tom Hanks Tom movie? Hanks movie. Yeah. The one with the meme, like, I'm the captain yes, now? Yes, yes. I did. Do, do you know how they got the, the actors for that? To play the uh, what were they supposed to be? Somali pirates. Somali pirates. They went to Minnesota and had a casting call. Why? And that's where because there's there a huge Somali, huge Somali refugee Didn't population. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And the whole scene in the cabin with I'm the captain now, yeah. totally unscripted. They just they just did that like what's that called when they just go off the script and yeah, does improvise. It, it was totally improvised. But you want to hear something horrible? Is that guy that that. That did that, the I'm the captain now. He thing. got nominated for an Oscar. He did. He got paid Tom absolute crap for that role. Really? Yeah, oh yeah. Like I read a story about it, I think like last year. Like this poor actor. Well now we know why. Yeah, this poor actor They just did a cattle call. They said, you know, if you're Somali or whatever, come and try out. Yeah, this poor guy, like, it just had this iconic role and he got paid nothing. Um, so there was this huge piece about it, and it was it was really unfortunate for the poor guy. So Huh. That's yeah. that's that's crazy. All yeah, right, I don't know what led me to that. It was something about the. Uh, we, how we did we go from the? Your Godfather entertainment went all over. That was fantastic. <laughs> we went all over the place. Uh, Anyways, Eric Flint, sixteen twelve. Okay, I would recommend it. Or the, um, anything anybody's watching right now that they would recommend. Man, I've what, watched everything. There's nothing right now that I would recommend. Really? Well, I mean, have you seen The Expanse? No, I am not. Go there. Okay. Right. I, it's it's sci-fi, it's slow, it's heady, but and deep. But you, I, I think don't even you know. Like I, I am. You I'm, like it. Yeah, I'm on the like. Uh, I'm a detective guy. Like I love the detective stories, and I'm just. I think, but in fairness, nothing's been able to be made. So Netflix just imported like all these oh, foreign detective stories. Yeah. And it's just like I've been trying to watch. I don't even know how. Well, I know how because I wasn't just got off a of quarantine here recently. Uh, from COVID, so like I've literally watched everything. I was like made it to Hinterland, and it was just like I can't take any more. Like I love British. Typically, I love like British crime stories, but they are so sparse. Like there's not dialogue and everything is slow, and it's just like it's too easy to pick up your phone and like, oh wow, Frito Lay has a new flavor of Doritos, and then you just completely distracted. <laughs> Have you seen um Happy Valley on Netflix? No, it's a British. Uh, detective series. It's about a female sergeant. Um, yeah, I recommend it. Huh. Listen, I, I got I, one. I, it. I got one for you. Okay. Have you watched Lilyhammer? 
I've seen that. I I've did not, not enjoy it. it. Oh my gosh! I, I thought I don't it was. Know why. I don't know why. I think irony is so funny, but you've got this like traditional Italian New York mob boss. Well, it's it's that um, moves to the middle of it's nowhere. The guy from The Sopranos. It's um, the slick back hair. Yeah. I can't think of his name. But he moves to the Van middle. It's, okay. Uh, Van Zandt. The yes. middle of nowhere, Norway. In Norway, yeah. Because he, he's, like, testifying against, like, other mobsters. So the FBI's like, we got to keep this guy safe. So he's like, yeah. He's How like, far can you get? Norway? No, he was like, yeah, I saw this place in Norway called Lilyhammer one time, like, on TV. Let's like, go the there. Olympics. So he gets there, and it's just this absolute culture shock. Like, I think there's, like, one scene where... There's a police officer driving around like on a bicycle and she's got like this horse's head in like her her shopping cart or like whatever like she's just got this meat and she's like yeah I'm going to go home and eat this horse's head like <laughs> I don't it's yeah. bizarre. That's it's it. a bizarre I'll tell you, it's show. cinematic style it reminds me of Napoleon uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Oh it is absolutely European comedy. Uh, yeah. oh, I think yeah, it's that's, I, you, I did not enjoy it. One have you seen Norseman? That's, oh I've my seen a bit of it. gosh! Yes. Yes. I was down with that. That yes. is by far one of the funniest things yeah. I've Have seen. Have you seen Shit's Creek? Oh, for sure. <laughs> love it. For sure. Love it. That's S C H I T T S, folks. My wife loves that show. Does she? Yeah. 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 We just, yeah. We actually, but we just started watching it in quarantine this year. So okay. like we when yeah, when I'm like, only on about I've watched. Four, I honestly, I watched like a bit of the first season. I'm like, I don't get it, and then like because she was watching it and I was just whatever doing browsing my phone or more than likely yeah by about season three though i was pretty in but i didn't realize in the beginning like they were pretty much making fun of all of these other like uh kardashians or whatever else so like yes. once i understood i was like this is just stupid this is just like watching e but it's a, a series why exactly and they're like oh wait no they're making fun of them i was a little slow to the game on that part <laughs> and then i got it and then it was really funny so um I've been rewatching a show that I think is completely iconic, but the jokes did not age well, and it's absolutely hilarious. And that is King of the Hill. <laughs> so we go back and pull that out. Oh my gosh, King of the Hill <laughs> Here is, we go. is by far <laughs> is by far one of uh, the funniest shows on television. That they're cooler. Well, you know what? I think it's so funny because what they do is they, it, the writing is not interesting. Like the scenarios they're in are, are not funny per se, but what they do is they write the characters so well. Yeah. So like Hank Hill, yes. right? So he is such like an upstanding all American guy that you put him in just like the slightly, the, the most slightly bizarre situation. And it is just an entire 30 minutes of hilarity. You know, um, so his like his his barber, you know, starts getting dementia and like gives him a bad haircut, and it just goes forward. You know, he he ends up getting you know his buddy to cut his hair, and then gets a nine hundred dollar bill in the mail, and it was probably <laughs> the funniest thirty minutes. You know, just just stupid stuff, yeah. and. I mean, the jokes did not age well. Like, there's, oh, there is no way that show would be made today. But it was funny. And that's actually that's something I think maybe for entertainment I would love to bring up uh, for the next go round. I think okay. we're about ready to call it quits here. But I would like to, to consider how should we view art in the sense of time and artist. So going back, um, I just saw Usual Suspects on TV. Oh, mm -hmm. Awesome uh, movie. It, great movie. Yes. But then you have like this whole Kevin Spacey. Aspect, yeah, well, uh, which is which is bizarre and I strange, right? And so that's a question I have, and then and then even art. So should we look at uh, the Godfather? When I watched Godfather One, I believe his his first wife in Italy was not even of age, and if you don't watch the TV version, she was sixteen. There's there's a, there's a touch of nudity in there, and so it's like that's that's weird. Um, and so like uh, art versus artist, how much do you read into it? In the it? age of cuties, is it though? What? Seriously, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, th that's a conversation I'd love to have next sure. time. Is try to look at art and in time. So if we look at a time when something was made, should we discount the you know the entire piece of art because of at the time this was popular or this was okay or this was not seen as negative? Uh, but if we go back in the lens of twenty twenty one, 
you could never say that, or maybe should never say that. And How many have minutes that of All in the Family would actually be airable oh. now? Well, or I, would it at all? I, that's before my time. I've not even seen oh, an my, episode of All in the Family. family. So, Go back. Other than the, I'm having the big one. That's the only part I know. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, Isn't that All in the Family? You're, you're, you're thinking Sanford and Son. We're talking Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker. I thought Archie Bunker was always having uh-huh. No, no, no. was Sanford and Son. Oh, well, see, that tells you how much I know about that. I'm not a fan of old TV, so. See, I grew up on Naked Night reruns. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. All right, so to close it out, we got the Four Roses Small Batch Select. How did this? Uh, how did this half a bottle treat us? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I'll, I'll know the full effect tomorrow when I, <laughs> I hit my hardest. Monday is my hard workout day, so. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I thought it was. I thought it was good. Um, you know, it's it's not my taste. Um, fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Like, if you pop the cork on that bottle, I'd drink it, but I wouldn't buy it for myself. Sure. So, Jim? Um, yeah, no, I like it. Okay. I do. And, yeah. I, and again, I still, I will always be devoted to my favorites, and that's probably Rock Hill Farms and mm-hmm. Blade and Bow are my two yeah. go-tos. But, um, you know, I would set this out for our friend that uh, plays poker and <laughs> drives me insane. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, until next time. Cheers, fellas. Cheers.